Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. Today, we are thrilled to welcome someone who produces, directs, does voiceover work, and has had a prolific acting career alongside some of the most legendary performers ever. Please help us welcome Moosey Dreyer. Moosey, thank you for joining us today. Oh, with that leading, when does he get here? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we even start, I was just looking at some of the names that you've been with. I mean, seriously, like, wow, George Burns, Jack Lemmon, Barbara Harris, Goldie Horn, Bob Newhart. I mean, seriously, wow. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy. Another uh, lifetime ago, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people, not a lot, a selected uh amount of people who were child actors look back and have a lot of like negativity about it or you know they were screwed over and you know don't like to look back and um I don't necessarily always have a rearview mirror but it's not because of that but as an actor and I could I could attest to this I mean we got to do a lot of cool stuff I mean you yeah. know you miss out on things like I really wanted to play little league baseball and was never able to because I was always you know doing uh, breadwinner sort of for my household which I'm totally good with but um yeah I mean I got to sit around with George Burns in his dressing room just him and I and I got to do some cool stuff like one of the coolest things that's ever happened is um I I was sitting in a motor home John Denver I played his son in, in a movie called Oh God and I'd go into his motor uh, home he'd, he'd invite me I wasn't this like you know, kid, just, hey, what are you doing? And I was a huge, and still am, John Denver fan. I mean, one of the prettiest voices ever to, to be laid down on tape. And uh, and he was so nervous about acting because that wasn't really what he did. He was a singer songwriter, and so to calm himself, he would he has an acoustic guitar in his motorhome. And he'd invite me in and we'd run. We had a couple scenes, just him and I, and if, uh, including some that were cut out. But we, we did have to run dialogue together or whatever. And he was really wanted to prepare as much as possible. So he'd call me in. And I freaking sit in a motor home with John Denver. And he's just playing his music, you know, just to calm himself. And I'm wow. kicking back as a kid. And, you know, uh, then, you, then, you know, you rap for the day, you get in the car. And there's, you know, Country Road or Rocky Mountain High on the radio. And it's just so surreal. It was like, the, the, is this the life I'm really living? It's just kind of crazy. Oh, that's good. Before, I mean, before I turn it over to Ike, I mean, what you just said, I've asked Ike about this many times, what you just said. Does he have, because we've interviewed people that do have some, like, look back and try to avoid like they don't like talking about certain things. Yeah. And uh, Ike said he's never really had that. And uh, you just said the same thing. So I find that interesting. I find, I think it's much better that way that you don't have any you know, regrets over any of the things that you've done. You know. Well, there are some jobs. It's like, I mean, if not, there's, actually, I don't have any regrets. 
-hmm. but some things were better than others in terms of memory and stuff like that. But I also wanted to add, and I don't know why I'll admit this, but because um, it reminded me when, about the John Denver and playing guitar. I also, so I directed an episode of Reba, the sitcom. And I uh, was in a dressing room with Reba McIntyre. And she has an acoustic guitar. Same thing. Wow. Now, uh, now, this was different. See, I admit, um, like, I didn't know a lot of her music and stuff, you know. And I just, but I knew that there are a quadrillion people in the world who would do anything to trade my place in the world. <laughs> Just to like, and she would say, and this is what this is what I have trouble admitting, but I, it's just the truth. So she said, uh, Moose, you know, Moosey, I can't impersonate her, but uh, by the way, biggest sweetheart you'll ever meet in the world is Reba McIntyre, by the way. Mm. So she's like, so what kind of music do you listen to? And I, we were talking to her, and she actually asked me if I, uh, listen to country music. And I know I just spoke about John Denver, but, but, mostly and as I grew up not really no disrespect to country music but I'm telling the the queen of <laughs> you know where I'm going with that oh, yeah. I didn't want to lie to her you know I'm like not really you know and she put it on her guitar and she came up and hugged me because she's like because you know someone like her people are just kissing her butt all the time and it was like yeah. on you know, it was funny. She said, well, what do you listen to? And I rattled off a few things. She said, oh, I love the Beatles, too. So she, so Reba's playing some Beatles songs with oh, me. Oh, man. Wow. One of my favorite moments, but also I wish I, I'm not sure if I should have told her. <laughs> it's telling, uh, it's telling Bruce Lee that Kung Fu's a, a, a hoax. You know, <laughs> but do you know, it's just it, 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 your 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 point is so well appreciated, especially by me, because, you know, I, I didn't have any regrets. I had a period of time um, when I realized I wanted to transition my career somehow because I'd been doing it for so long and I was so tired and I was sort of worn, worn out from everything that. I kind of wanted to disconnect myself from all of that for some reason. And I don't know if it was just an emotional period I was going through, but I came out of that fairly, fairly quickly. And, you know, getting a chance to look back and really pour over, you know, IMD is in my mind, one of the greatest resources we have out there for being able to, you know, reflect on anyone's career and just looking at yours. Cause I'm going to segue right into the beginning of our, of our questions. Um, I mean, you, when Jonathan stole my word prolific, you were an amazingly busy child actor. And, you know, I haven't made a comparison yet just between you and I, you've got me beat by at least 11 <laughs> or 12 titles, which I, I and, and I remember looking you up a while back, like a, quite a while back and, and thinking, God, you know, there, Moosey did so much more work than even I remember. And then I would look at my own and say, holy cow, I did so much more work than even I remember. So it's kind of, I, I felt like that, you know, that part of my life, I needed to examine a little bit to make some connective sense out of everything. But I'm like you, I, I loved, I loved my career. I loved doing it. I hope you feel the same way. Um, 
but you know, even getting started, I, I, I noticed that you started, we both started practically the same year, 1971, and you're mm -hmm. a couple years younger than I am. So you were really young when you started. What, yeah. what was the impetus behind that? I mean, was your family in it? I don't really know anything about your family or did you, did you have a desire yourself to get into the business? Well, I didn't know I had a desire to act until I was actually in it. But no, I was one of those, you know, you know, that spit on the put spit on the hair, the hand and the hair and throw the kid out there, you know, and see how <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it became so interesting to me so quick, which reminds me, as I was setting up my laptop for this, I want to tell you something about you, Ike. But um <laughs> I, uh, don't worry, it's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't know until, but I knew pretty quickly. So one of the first jobs I did uh, was Ronan Martin's laughing. And, you know, that was like, you know, um, so I was one of those kids that my mom allowed me to stay up and watch Johnny Carson and all that. You know, I was really yeah. cognizant of all these people, of who they were and all that stuff. And I got to shake hands with John Wayne and, the you know the crazy, you know and, and uh lily tomlin would have me sit up uh you know while there's lighting or waiting in her uh oversized rocking chair when she was edith ann you know edith ann oh yeah oh my gosh but um but just before that i did a movie called the war between men and women i i, I remember i was very very oh, i'm gonna ask about that we're <laughs> uh, still on no uh, uh and it was one of those, I thought every job was going to be like this. So like I played Jack Lemmon's, I actually biologically was Jason Robart's son, but Jack Lemmon married Barbara or, or was a love interest to Barbara Harris. So um, I was, wasn't technically Jack Lemmon's son, but it, it, it went like a, in the scenes, it went like that because he was living there and I'd step up. But um, we got on, you know, a TWA first class to New York you know, meeting steak on this airplane, you know, and then we shot for a couple of weeks on Catalina Island. And then we were at a, either Universal or Warner Brothers on a sound stage, getting spoiled with just first class everything. And that was like one of my first, you know, uh, single camera, like go on location kind of jobs as opposed to, you know, laughing over. I think War Between Men and Women was before laughing. I'm not even sure. But anyway, I, I knew, I knew during that movie i was little and just went like i love this environment and it's interesting and i would watch jack lemon so as a kid there were certain roles you know and you know i there was there were a lot of like daddy daddy i got a balloon okay good balloon go show it to your sister and get the kid off this just to show that there's a game there's nothing there and i got that but i got to act with jack lemon where mm -hmm. you know, I, I was this kid who was just you know scared of the world and i would sleep outside my mom's door and he would trip over me in the middle of the night coming out to go to the restroom or if you heard a noise in the house i think i remember and we'd have these sit down scenes or whatever like that and i just remember like jack lemon when he we were doing the dialogue i'm like I mean, he's talking like it's like he's a real person like it's not he's not acting you never let him catch you acting right you know yeah uh, and i just went like that is tricky and amazing that he can do that he was so natural 
And so, you know, it was a different time, like different genres too. Like maybe now it wouldn't be as believable or as uh, incredible in terms of people's perception of acting because it was a different flavor back then, you know, a little more broad, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but he was just so amazing that I, I think I knew right away that um, this is where I'd like to be, at least for a while. So what I was going to say, I, 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 there may be a question I may have ignored. I'm sorry. We'll go back. <laughs> no. Hey. But IMDB, I haven't looked in a while. And um, yeah, I agree. Like going down, and, I mean, it's a great resource. And I, I think there are a certain amount of projects um, that aren't listed on IMDB that I remember doing. And a couple of them, I'm mm -hmm. glad they're not listening. Um, <laughs> so most jobs were daddy daddy i got a balloon oh okay okay good. go go show it to your sister bye and then there were other jobs where there was some substance i wanted a role that you booked <laughs> so bad i remember because uh, there was substance it was there it was called my father lives in a downtown hotel i believe oh yep is yep. an actual special it was an optical special, yeah. It didn't matter that it wasn't a primetime thing or a big screen thing. It, it, there was like, there was stuff there, you know? Yeah. Perhaps it has something to do with, I never actually met my own father. There was like something I really wanted to, you know, I don't, but um, I just, I remember, you know, there, there were really only a handful of jobs that I just really wanted. And mostly all the others were like, you do it, let it go. See if you get a call. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. You, you booked the one. Uh, you booked the one that I was. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah uh, that was. But I got you back because. Um, <laughs> because um, there was in the seventies, there was a time where the dating game would um, bring on at the end in a little like trivial kind of uh, vibe, uh, children, like a kid, like a boy <laughs> talking to three girls or vice versa. And then they would send them off to Disneyland, you know, like a, yeah, like a date, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I picked Kim Richards. So, uh, <laughs> not knowing who, she, you know, you don't see the, the, the other contestants. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, oh gosh. I don't know. Were you brother and sister in Escape from Witch Mountain or boyfriend? Yeah, that's what's funny about it. Because when people ask if she and I ever dated, I say, you know what? We played brother and sister. I, I, I've always called her my fictional sister. That's, you know, she. Uh, I've always called her that. So it's, 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 it's an odd thought that people have. And of course, no, I never would have considered uh, doing that for no other reason other than that would just be weird. <laughs> no, I, I, it only dawned on me just now. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, this is even weirder. I, I learned from someone um, who was heavily involved in the development of Race to Witch Mountain, the, you know, the, the reimagining of Escape to Witch Mountain, and that there were actually young writers and, and uh, producers who, were, who threw out the idea that the, 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 this reimagining could be following the children of Tony and Tia. And like people like said, 
do you not realize that they were brother and sister in this movie? Have you not seen the movie? We can't, you can't do that. So if people get a little confused about that all the time, which is really strange to me, but, but I think quite, quite amusing. Right. Well, you know what's funny to me is that, so before you can go, okay, so for instance, Aaron and I will watch, we'll, we'll watch a television show and an actor or actress will come on. We're like, God, that's a familiar person. You know, maybe they're not a star, so we don't know who it is, but like, they were, so you, you look up the cast of the show you're watching, you find yeah. that person, and then you see what they've done. They go, oh, that's where we know them from, right? We didn't have any of that back then. Mm -mm. There were three things I would most commonly get. The one probably the most was, you, you went to my school, didn't you? We went to school together in Ohio. Come on. I'm like, oh, my God, I, you're I, quoting me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? And actually, yeah. I didn't, um, hadn't been to Ohio at that point. And they're like, come on. Yeah, you have. The other one was, um, aren't you uh, Lance Kerwin from James at 15 or 16? Yep. And third, and I'm not kidding, was Escape from Witch Mountain, <laughs> which is odd because I hope that doesn't depress you. You're a much more handsome man than I am. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I would get a lot of that escape from which, you know, that was you, wasn't it? And I'm like, no, that was like, that was like, guys, yeah. Oh, man. Ah, looking back, I should have said, you know, but it wouldn't be me. I know I turned that down. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those were always fascinating um, encounters for me because, yes, I would often get, the people wouldn't know they would pick something entirely different bad news bears i got a lot actually at the yeah. at the time which is interesting yeah it was very interesting they, for a while i wonder who you don't look like jackie, jackie is that people who? thought i did people thought i did so i would get jackie they wouldn't say jackie Earl haley but say weren't you in bad news bears but see it's that familiarity thing where you have all these movies that are out and tv shows that are out around the same time and you know we were a small we were a very select small group of working uh, child actors in the 70s because you know i wanted to bring up you you mentioned a couple people in 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 our email exchange um shoot tiger and i forgot his um oh, uh tiger uh williams tiger williams yeah another huge um working child actor and of course poindexter and robbie wrist and and you know the, the, you were on a, okay I'm, we're bouncing all over the place but see, you you had the um i think that that wonderful thing that i wanted so badly was to be on a series an ongoing series because i just wanted to stop auditioning so i could just work every week <laughs> and so you had quite a number of series that you were involved in but um you know for like and and yourself included in this we were out there you know, working for jobs, auditioning constantly every day, trying to, you know, to book our next work. And then there are the, the known personalities from that period of time, like the little house people who landed the big mega hit that lasted for, you know, a decade or more um, that, that I, I truly envied. But, you know, I feel like you and I are, uh, you know, we were down in the trenches, tre trenches with, with, uh, with these other kids that we were constantly seeing on all of our auditions. So we were doing all those jobs so it's no wonder to me that people would get us confused, you know. Right. Sorry, I had to turn my notifications off on my laptop. Um, no, I, yes, absolutely. You know, but um, I think it's the grass is always greener. And by the way, so I, 
I don't really see it necessarily that way. I was on a, I was on a few series, but never like, like the, a Brady kid or yeah, yeah. bewitched or um, like a partridge or something like that. I wasn't ever on. And the reason why I think I, well, I did know Danny Bonaducci. We actually lived together at some point. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. His mom and my mom were friends. His parents got divorced and they lived in our guest house that we were rent we were renting a house and they lived in the guest house for a little while. Wow. But apart from that, like I didn't really know the Brady, I do know them now, but like the Brady's and people because they weren't like you and I running into each other on auditions all the time. I wasn't working with them because they had a solid job and they weren't doing they yeah. didn't need to do anything else, you know. Yeah. But I, I so on the Bob Newhart show, I was a uh uh semi-regular or whatever you know recurring uh -huh. i wasn't on every episode of that uh laughing for the two and a half seasons i was on that i was on pretty much every episode but for the most part so i did do a, uh, there was a show called executive suite that isn't very well known um i did that series but i really didn't do like one I, I did a lot of after school specials for better or for worse. But yeah. So did too. yeah. I mean, I like those are just fun days. So going back to laughing, I mean, you kind of already answered this question, but you did have an awareness of the, of the content that was uh, you know, that, 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 that you were participating in. I mean, I mean, I loved it the same age. I loved watching laughing. Everybody loved <laughs> watching laughing. I mean, it seemed to be a kind of humor that crossed over, different age groups so you know yeah. you were you were connected to it or did you not know what you were participating in so oh much? no absolutely well so you yeah. know i was for the last two and a half seasons um i watched the show leading up to that mm -hmm. i was a fan of the show and i couldn't believe i was there with the doors <laughs> open and all that stuff i remember it's crazy how vivid some memories can be from that because i was in the beginning i was a little kid you know it's amazing yeah. though, how vivid those memories can be uh compared to uh you know, last April for me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, um, but uh, no, I was well aware of that. I was a huge, uh, any, anybody was a fan of Goldie Hawn, you know, yeah, at the time and, and now, but, um, yeah, I knew who these people were. It was very cool. Um, I, I have some ghost stories about that show. I remember, um, if you walk down there, so there's dressing rooms, boom, 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 boom. And they're, they're names that maybe aren't household names, but I know who they are because I, I remember this. So Alan Seuss was one of them. And then there was Joanne Worley. And, there, and towards the end, there was uh, Dan Rowan and then Dick Martin and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Dick Martin used to walk around in tidy whitey underwears, like in the hallway with a white t-shirt or a shirt with like, you know, the Kleenex around the neck. So the makeup, whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, like tight white. And the reason why I'm remembering this a thousand years later is because like no one walked around in tight white. I don't even Yeah, right. <laughs> this is just odd. I've seen this man come out in a suit week after week for the last few years. And now he's, you know. Also, there was a strong aroma of the funny cigarettes. <laughs> in that hallway and uh it may have been alan seuss and it may not have been alan seuss i'm not gonna i don't know yeah there's a lot of that I, you know now i think that's a bummer maybe i shouldn't say that 
But um, it was the 70s and they were all felt like they were on top of the world. So whoever wanted to smoke their little demon weed, I guess did. <laughs> I remember, and the reason why I knew the smell, that was the smell is because I had an older brother who, you know. Of course. <laughs> well, you yeah, couldn't get you, you couldn't get away from it in those days. You oh, really, right, you really, right, right. you really couldn't. Right. I did encounter it that frequently, but I wasn't on a show. You know, it's it's just you're in this incredibly intimate environment with with these people, and um, and I, I'm I'm a bit. The only thing I'm surprised at is that whoever you were working with, your your set teacher, did not draw attention to it because I worked with some really 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 rigid tough women who wouldn't allow people to cuss on set, let alone, yeah. you know, cigarettes were okay, but you know, no, I mean, no, well, nothing else really floated around me. They weren't even called set teachers. I think they were called welfare, welfare, welfare workers. workers yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is more along the lines of, you know, for that's first, then we learn math, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but you couldn't avoid it. And uh, I remember I'm laughing because you have to walk down to the end of the makeup room and you pass the room it's like okay all right then oh geez that's incredible um, that was like you know i was a tiny kid that was in a that was a that was in the beginning of my little my run or whatever of child acting so i do want to ask if you you were on like you just said every week or was that and you had your own segment so i mean was, was that like a big source of like jealousy or like you know among your friends or anything like I don't know. I wanted to be a normal kid, though, so bad. And I loved the acting part of it. But when I was out of there, I really didn't want, I didn't want to be like, oh, you kid on tell you think you're better than us or whatever. Yeah, I get bullied. I'm, I may have happened to you too. But, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know if my uh, friends were, were jealous of that. <clears throat> I do know that... Um, my crazy ridiculous name which is my legal name Hold it on. really is that is your legal name call therapist um <laughs> yeah well I just, I just think you had one of the best names in the business i mean it's it's it, it's well it, it was a tough one uh, in public school to have the name lucy but um actually sure. i was born as i was supposed to be gary and my mom even before putting me in the show business, she legally changed my name. And I've heard a half a dozen stories as to how or why throughout the family, you know, the, just the, the, the I don't know exactly what happened or how. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, forgot the point I was going to make. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. So those were great times. Um, but, um, oh, no, I know what I was going to say was that they actually use my name uh, in laughing for, oh. for the segment. They would say, yeah. and now, so laughing, I believe, <clears throat> I believe S, uh, Saturday Night Live sort of took from laughing in that they had a fake news situation. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not, you know, the weekend update. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, they, either one of them would say, and now the Moosey Dryer, the treehouse for Kid News for Kids. And so they used my actual name for that. Mm. I had my own little, I was like a neighborhood kid reporter, you know, little Jimmy so-and-so got busted for blah, 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 with a slingshot, whatever the, the, they would write for me. Were you at all nervous? I mean, coming into these, the people that you already knew, seeing the, all these, you know, well-known actors and... 
No, and I think it was a blessing that I was that young. I didn't know I was, I didn't know I, I should be nervous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm dyslexic. So even before I learned to read, you know, I would just memorize dialogue based on my mom would read it to me and I would just have to remember. Uh, remember it. And uh, so Paul Keyes was one of the head writers and executive producers of Rowan and Martin's Laughing, and they would deliver audio cassettes to my house. And they, they bought a cassette player and he would read the monologue. Like it, it was a little like, you know, I'd have like a 30 second joke. Right. And then back to you, Dick and Dan, or whatever. And he and I would just listen to his uh, line readings. Hello. He's right. Reading, he's reading the thing. I never cared about that. How, how do you want to hear it? <laughs> all I cared about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So he. I would just you know kind of um, learn it from the audio tapes and memorize it and and go that way. No, I was. I think I was too young to realize I should be nervous. I, I did. I was aware that this is pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know laughing. I watch laughing. What do you some? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, well, throughout the years, one of my favorite things that I did, and I got to do this a number of times, so laughing was shot at NBC. And, you know, as, as an, I grew, I, I kept acting into, I was still an adult when I was acting. So throughout the years, whenever I had a chance, <clears throat> I'd walk onto the Tonight Show stage, like when oh. it's dark and no one's in there, and stand on Johnny Carson's star. Oh, <laughs> yes. I did not know that. You know, and then do my little. <laughs> but um, yeah, see, that's another example. I got to do you know, didn't play soft, didn't play a uh, little league baseball. <laughs> Stand at Johnny Carson's star, you know, and, and you know, like looked around, and the couch was the so his sofa and desk was so much closer than you think, you know, because on TV everything looks bigger. Yeah. Doc and Tommy Newsom and all these people, they, they were all right there. And I was just like, this is, seems miniature in real life. Well, yeah. That always, that's one of the things that always fascinated me because I was, I was completely in, enthralled with the idea of, you know, sets and Westerns and, you know, getting to do gun smoke and, you know, walk, you know, on the soundstage in the middle of, you know, the, of, of, of the town. I just, and, and it was just like so magical to me and, you know, I, 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 I'd say, I don't think you miss much not playing Little League com- comparatively here. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, it meant something. Because yeah, you know, sure. my friends, like, like, I was friends with you guys as child actors, but my day-to-day in my neighborhood were, um, <clears throat> you know, non-show businessy kids who yeah. were, were, you know, I, who I enjoyed and very much and wanted to do what they were doing. You know, they were going to baseball practice and stuff like sure. that. Sure, yeah. What are, yeah. what are some of your memories of some of the cast in the show? I mean, anyone that stood out that was really nice to you? What which show? Uh, laughing. Laughing. Um, gosh, I, honest to God, no one was mean. Like I, I didn't have any negative memories. Everyone was really nice. Um, mm. But I have something. I, I have something funny to tell you. So, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Okay, so in recent years, like I've run into Goldie Hawn and. Lily Tomlin and you know so I saw Lily I was with Aaron at an event and we saw her t- television academy event. <clears throat> and I said uh Lily Tomlin when I was a kid I was on laughing and I was and, you know she's like Moosey Dreyer you know oh my god you know she's great oh outstanding right. we were, we, you know, I have some great pictures of that <laughs> so we were at 
and God bless her, I'm not trying to, God bless her, but we were at a, a different event and Joanne Worley was there. <clears throat> and I feel like such an ass. Like, I don't like to be like the, oh, I was on television. But, you know, there's only so many people, honestly, alive that was on that show. So I feel like maybe there's a little, I feel like, okay, it's a small club <clears throat> of survivors, maybe like whatever. And I approached her and I'm sure, uh, you know, I may have caught her in a, an off moment because I've heard well, she's such a sweetheart and everything. And she was a sweetheart to me, but she's like, I don't remember a kid on, on laughing. Oh, I, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that's, that's the impression I left on, uh, on Joanne Worley. <clears throat> but, um, uh, <laughs> oh, oh man, but, that's great. It's like, uh, you know, your ego just like, because it, I, it took, it took nerve anyway for me to do that. And then she's like, you know, yep. <laughs> all right, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, gosh. When, when I change over, you just mentioned the, the war between men and women. I mean, I, I enjoyed that movie so much as a kid. I just watched it again this past weekend. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's crazy. So I always felt like that movie was, um, sort of a under the radar i've only done one movie that i think i can mention that people remember and know like feature film and not television and i feel like any of the other movies i did were kind of like they never really were all that well known that was i think one i mean like war between men and women i don't think it became a huge <clears throat> box office hit regardless of jack lemon and Jason Robards and Barbara Harris. Well, I remember it as a kid because I always remember the, the cartoons <laughs> walking yeah. around. So that's, that stuck out to me. Are uh, uh, loosely based on a, uh, an artist, <clears throat> Arthur something. Thurber. Thurber. Thurber James. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. His brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, oh, so anyway, I didn't mean to. Go ahead. No, I just like what was it like? I mean, were you aware at that age of Jack Lemon? I mean, who he was? <laughs> yeah, um, I can't remember if it was before or after Save the Tiger. I think it was before Save the Tiger. But um, you know, he did. Uh, oh gosh, what's the one with Tony Curtis? That was so. Uh, um, Some like it hot. Yeah. yeah. Some like it hot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew. I knew. Okay. <laughs> this is pretty crazy. But I hadn't done much of anything at that point. I was like, so I didn't know if this is just how it's always going to be, you know. Uh, Paul Newman next, you know, or, or you know, what? Yeah. So I, it was a, it was kind of a, it was kind of crazy. But um, um, yeah, I knew I I don't think I knew who Barbara Harris was at the time or Jason Robarts, but Jack Lemmon, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you worked with um, Lisa Gerritsen. Did you um, did you enjoy working with other child actors, or was there something was it different than working with the grownups in some way? It and was, specifically her. It was different. Um, oh, I love Lisa. Um, yeah. You know, of course, when you're a kid, it's better if you're going to be, okay, we're going to be doing this for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, that there are other kids around, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think it, it was more enjoyable when you had other child actors around. There was this one series I did, I think I mentioned earlier, called Executive Suite. 
-hmm. It was like a, um, uh, who did the dynasties and the Falcon Crest and all that? Uh, it was like one of the first nighttime, prime time soap opera, you kind of heavy kind yeah. of shows. <clears throat> and um, um, I was the only kid on that show. <clears throat> and not only that, <clears throat> excuse me, I was, um, I played the son of an actor named uh, Scott Marlowe and he, Scott Marlowe had curly hair, like, like perm curly hair. Mm. And they wanted to give me like a perm perm. And my agent or mom or me or all of us said, uh, no. <laughs> like, cause this is gonna be done and I'm gonna be like, you know, I'm gonna have to wait forever for it to grow out or whatever. And I was acting in other things. So they, 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 uh, they said, well, how about if we do a temporary perm? So you go in three hours before you would normally go in and they do the curls or whatever, you know, and I'd have this like, you know, curly, curly hair, not just wavy. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you wash it out. And I, so I did that show, but anyway, um, every single scene, seemingly I cry, had to cry, you know, it was heavy <laughs> and it was a lot of material and I had to do the hair thing. And it was like, so it was like, you know, I wanted longer surfer hair. I didn't want, you know, this it was like, I didn't love the way I looked. There were no kids. I had to emotionally tap into things that were sad to me so I could cry, you know, on camera. And, uh, and it just went on and on. And so um, I think I'm just processing this as you asked that question. It was much <laughs> more fun with kids, other kids around. Because <laughs> I was like, I felt like I was so lonely on that show. And whenever I was talking to people, it was either learning in school and, and you know, on the set or just crying about my parents. <laughs> every single time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. you had a small part i mean it wasn't even credited but you were in up you know up the sandbox with streisand did you get to meet her at all i mean so yeah i i had i think a few lines and was cut out of the movie i remember so i was a big fan of barbara streisand as well and i'm like i'm gonna be working with barbara streisand i think i worked one day and it, as i found out later like she was she requested me. She watched oh. laughing. Oh, kid or whatever. And they threw me apart as like somebody's nephew in a party or something like that. And I guess it didn't make it in, but I still get credit for it, which is weird. Like if huh. you get credit, it seems like they shouldn't put you in the credit because it kind of points out that you got cut out of the movie. Kind of like yeah, a little, a little bit. <laughs> but um, I do remember meeting her, and she was fantastic. And um, yeah, but um, that was also, yeah, I was like, I was very, very young. I was a kid, kid. So, uh, yeah, um, Barbara Streisand, and um, I forgot who else was in that movie. Another, oh, so another movie. I don't think that really did, made it to like the big time. It didn't, <clears throat> it wasn't a box office hit. Uh, I said, like I mentioned at the beginning here, looking down, one legend after another and you you did an unsold thing with barbara eden <laughs> an unsold pilot with her how was how was that what happened why didn't it make it <laughs> and how was she actually um it was called the barbara eden show and i think they made it as a working title and i was her son 
And um, I was a young boy with hormones who would watch I Dream a Genie. <laughs> before that. And she's leaning over to kiss me on the forehead, you know. So it was very enjoyable. Do you have any other questions about that? No, I'm <laughs> I love her. She, <clears throat> she was very sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you, anyone, anyone ever give a reason that was, wasn't picked up? I mean, just what just happens I, like that? I'm sure there was a reason. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember, you, you know, used to be a time where you just do, you do pilot, this is pilot season. You book a pilot, you do it. And um, uh, like I said earlier, in most cases, you know, you learn, you learn early to like, you know, let go of things, you know, unless it's my father lives in a downtown hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Your pilot season was crazy because they would do hundreds of pilots. It's, you know, I mean, and they all featured a star of some kind or another because you know that's that's what you did and and so few of them actually then 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 went to series so yeah yeah i i did a couple myself not not that many but yeah i booked a pilot called the buddy epson ship and it took me out of pilot season and it never got shot oh good good <laughs> it great. like shut down before it went into production wow oh um problem i don't know you know uh, uh, it's a numbers game probably wouldn't have get, gotten picked up anyway but yeah it used to be pilot season i'd run into you ike all the time and of course matt laberto um mm-hmm. and, um robbie brad savage oh god yes brad and i were buddies we used to hang out a lot you know on weekends at each other's houses and get into trouble <laughs> oh yeah we snuck out of the house and late at night got in got caught Oh my gosh. I, I don't doubt that for a second. I wouldn't trust uh yeah, Brad with the cookie jar. Brad, anyway. you were, can I put that on record? Or you, you wouldn't trust Brad Savage when he was 10? <laughs> I, that was on me, I'm sure. I'm sure I was the bad influence. <laughs> well, you mentioned it before. Let's tie into Barbara Eden. You worked with as Bill Daly's son on the New Heart show. What was that experience uh like? I loved I love doing that show. It may have been my favorite one really? of my things. Um, it was um, such a really, uh, it was really a family. I think most productions become kind of a family, you know, non-biological home. <clears throat> and um, Bill Daly was such a sweetheart. And um, Suzanne Plachette was really, really, uh, and she would take me in and like, you know, just protect me and take care of me and all that stuff. Peter Bonner's, Marsha Wallace and all these people, they were just so funny and so good mm. and so talented. And I, you know, it, it, if I had nothing to do with that show, if I never did it, that show, <clears throat> I would still say, I think it was one of the the best written sh- sitcoms mm. along with Mary Tyler Moore, because, but they were the same staff, writing staff, really. They would just, you know, rotate MTM shows, you know um but uh that was that was a fantastic experience bill daly i learned something in recent years so he in real life <clears throat> um his son came to live with him in real life and his son after a certain amount of time had to go and tell him that he actually liked to go back and live with his mother 
And I kid you not, we were doing a script on Bob Newhart's show where I played his son and it was the exact scenario. I came to live with him. And there's a show where he's teaching me how to, a scene where he's teaching me how to iron and towards the end of the episode, I have to like kind of break it to him. You know, he's trying to hide his tears, you know, like, oh, that's okay. You know, boy needs to be with his mom and all that stuff. Well, I saw an interview that he, before he passed away that he was giving and he was talking about that episode. And then that was actually happening. He said it was the craziest thing that exactly that was happening in his real life at the same time. So he said he called that his hardest episode <clears throat> of the Bob Newhart show. Wow. I just find that interesting. And I didn't know, I mean, you know, I, I know it was one of the later years. I was more of a, I was bigger, taller, you know, more of a, more of a kid as opposed to a, a little, little kid. Um, but I didn't know. I don't, I don't know who knew that, but um, I just found that really interesting. Like, oh. yeah. Well, uh, it was, you know, I mean, in going back to even my dad lives in downtown hotel. Um, yeah, okay, okay, I, I get it. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to, you know, <laughs> pick the scab on that, but um, it, it, that, that after school special was about a child going through a divorce and divorce was was rapidly i mean you know it was covered in the news like america's newest epidemic of of homes being broken up so that it's no wonder that that storyline might have been paralleling of course what a lot of other people were going through but then it was directly you know happening to him is is extraordinary yeah it was becoming relatable and yeah what a what a uh I have no idea if it was a fortunate or an unfortunate coincidence that it was happening to him at the exact same time he was doing that. But, yeah, yeah, that's um, tough. Yeah, but I do remember watching uh, my father lives in a downtown hotel, and you're you're such a good actor, Ike. You're such oh. a good actor. I'm well, not. I... You were you were like you know. I always always knew like I wasn't trying to be judgmental, but like that person, that girl, or that guy is good actor. You know, Pamela yeah. Ferdin, you know, like she, uh, Lisa Garrison, um, you know, yeah. these people, you and, you know, uh, Brad was very good. And, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, I always knew like there's the, the, the people who were who were born to do it. And then the other ones who were kind of pushed into child acting, they were pretty good. Maybe their heart wasn't into it or just, yeah. you know, you can either sing or you can't sing you know, kind of thing. And you either got it as an actor or you didn't, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. Because I mean, it, well, I, that's very kind of you. I appreciate that. And, and, and that was probably one of my favorite roles I ever did because yeah, it had some major substance and it, it and I, I had to carry that thing. It was, it, you know, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, and, and, you know, really hard emotional work that, and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, Bo Bridges kind of really brought me into it and, and helped help me guide you know my performance in in ways that were absolutely invaluable to me. I learned a lot about acting doing that that show because I never I, I never went to acting class or or took any took any any classes. It was like you're saying it was kind of a, an innate natural thing. For some reason, my my brain just connected with it. Um, did you take any classes, or were you also just a natural? You just learned as you went along. I studied some acting. I studied in some acting classes, but not till I was a, uh, a grown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's probably why you were good because you weren't in an acting class. You know, never let them catch you acting, and and you you know you just kind of 
you cut out all the whole, okay, what did my acting coach tell me? And what am I doing? What is this method? And all these things that you have to, you know, consider all that was eliminated and you were just natural, you yeah. know? So um, I think I, as I remember, I think some acting classes help people. I also think it kind of um, was counterproductive for, for some people. Yeah. And I think children, especially, and, and I knew as I transitioned into my adult career, that if I was going to take it to the next stage it needed to go to, if I had the desire to do that, I was going to have to start to study. I was going to have to break it down because there's different, you know, dynamics to, I think, adult characters um, that, that become more challenging and have to be more interesting and you have to work a little harder in different ways. But I think for a child that can be very, uh, can be very confusing. I know it would have been for me. I would have, I think I went, I think I probably went into one class one day for some reason. And I just said, I, this doesn't, I hate this. I, I, I don't get this. You know, I loved, I know how to do my job. I don't think I need this. And so, you know, I inherently understood also that it wasn't going to be a benefit to me. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm a, sure there are cases where it helps people. Yeah. You know, maybe in their yeah. confidence. Mm -hmm. you know some technique they're not understanding and they someone could you know get that into their minds or something like that but I, I found um uh from afar when I would see I think it would get in some people's way you know as opposed to just being there in the moment you know it's this it's listening that's what I was gonna say it's re it really is it's more about listening than it is talking and and that's what a lot of people don't get if you're in character when you're not saying your dialogue, you're listening. Yeah. And you respond, that's acting. That was, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I learned early, early, early on. And, uh, you know, I think that to pay myself a compliment, but the biggest compliment I, I usually got from directors and even editors who I would meet would say to me, I love. Ike, you're, you're always listening to the other actors. We always can cut away to you. So you end up, oddly enough, getting more screen time if you're engaged in listening because they will go to you more than you think that they will. <laughs> you're, you're the editor's safety net. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. But yeah, I thought that was always the key myself. Yeah. Well, plus it's probably, you know, he or she, whoever the director is, that's a great... Um, option to go to the actor who's listening because you know it used to just be they're talking they're talking they're talking they're talking but really there's more than one thing going on and and how something lands on somebody and the reaction is probably more you know pertinent than what the person's saying or you know than the person who's speaking so yeah 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 very good stuff very interesting <laughs> Before we go on to, oh God, I just want to touch briefly upon American Hot Wax. That yeah. looks like such a fun movie to make. I mean, you yeah. had uh, Fran Drescher, Jay Leno, Lorraine Newman. Also like, you know, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis. How was that? Some memories of that? Oh, I have a ton of memories from that. That was a wild uh, ride. Um, that was one of those over uh, budget paramount films that just kept going on and on and on for weeks and weeks and weeks it was a period piece you know and there was just the director kept coming up with more things they just had a lot of money so they didn't have hmm. it wasn't a hard out in six weeks it just went on seemingly for months 
but I'm glad it did because I, I love doing it. And um, went on to do a movie called Hollywood Nights for the same director after that. But um, uh, yeah, you know, back to like being a lucky kid, you know, Chuck Berry, you know, <laughs> shook his hand. The guy had like the, his hands would could wrap around mine twice. Like he was a larger than life guy. We're going to help him play piano. Um, and um, so I played the president of the Buddy Holly fan club and um, had a couple, had a, I was a, throughout the movie, I had a nice part. I was, I, I enjoyed that part. But then there was one scene that I really enjoyed. It was with uh, Jay Leno walks me into a room to talk to the disc jockey, um, uh, Alan Freed, I, about you know, he was going to interview me about Buddy Holly's death and all that stuff. And that was like one of my favorite scenes I think I'd ever got involved in because there, it was scripted. And then now let's, now let's just keep rolling and come back in and just, just, you don't have to be word for word. And of course, those are the takes they use, which was the, you know, we knew the essence, we knew where the scene needed, we knew the arc of the scene. And, and, and and it just became uh, just a great uh, natural feel to just talk about my experience when I found out that Buddy Holly died. And my dad came in, you know, to tell me and what it was like. And it was a teary, ended up being kind of a teary thing. Um, and that was one of my favorite uh, uh, scenes I ever got to do. Um, but, um, you know, funny. So, you know who Anthony Kiedis is, right? He's the front man for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he mentions me in a book that he wrote. It's called Scar Tissues. So my American Hot, so American Hot Wax is his. My father lives in downtown motel. Hotel. Sorry, I didn't want to down, downgrade it back to motel. <laughs> um, but um, he, he writes in the book how he wanted this role, he was gonna be an actor and he wanted this role in this movie called American Hot Wax to play the president of the Buddy Holly fan club. And he came so close to it, close enough to where they were actually measuring his, you know, for wardrobe. I mean, yeah. and when it turns out he didn't get it, he said, you know, F this and focused on music. Well. <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. Well, if it wasn't for you. <laughs> You're welcome, Chili Pepper, Chili Pepper fans. And, uh, um, so I, I did meet him. Um, I did get to meet him a few years back up at the uh, this Starbucks that I, I would go to. And uh, I said, no, it was in a deli. Didn't matter. So I said, hey, uh, Anthony, I'm, my name is Moose Dreyer. I was a kid actor and you mentioned me in your book. I'm blah, 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 and he was really cool about it. <laughs> but the last thing I said to him was, you know, yeah, I think you've done okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just weird how paths work, but he, he right. talked about that that was a pivotal moment in his giving up acting and going into music. Mm. So now let's move on to Oh God. I mean, I loved that movie so much. As again, I watched it so many times. I watched it again this weekend. I loved it also again this weekend. Uh, talk about legendary. I mean, you have Carl Reiner directing, George Burns, John Denver, Terry Garr, as well as William Daniels, Bernard Hughes, Dinah Shore in it, Donald Pleasance, who Ike worked with. <laughs> what a cast. And just like 
perfect casting all around. How did you come to work on that film? How did you get into that? Well, it's funny. Um, so no one looked more like John Denver than Robbie Wrist. Oh, uh, hands true. down. Yeah. Hands down. And it came down between Robbie Wrist and I. And <clears throat> we're friends. We're still friends today. And that's I rib him about that, by the way. <laughs> um, and um, I don't know how he did not get that because mm. he's a good good actor he always has been he's great and i wonder if um and maybe they just kind of wanted to go away from the obvious like because not every you know kids could look like their parents one of them or both or whatever but not everyone looks like a clone like he maybe he looked too much like john it, it, that, yeah that could have been because he was a little mini mini me i mean the, that yeah. is 100 percent just so true yeah um my memories of that is is, is that like i spoke about earlier but <clears throat> sitting around with john denver and uh, and then you know carl reiner was a director we had this scene uh, in the kitchen where the family is having this chaotic breakfast and this uh child actress rachel longacre <clears throat> played my sister we were having an argument like you stew in a movie in a scene and breakfast the kids are having an argument about something and um that that was I, that was my favorite scene i got to shoot and it didn't make it in the film oh it, it was a big family breakfast scene and it was and carl reiner found me <clears throat> came to me at the premiere because he knew that it was my I loved that scene and and uh how this is how kind he was I'm just some kid you know and he came to, he made a point before the movie started to let me know not to be let down it's not in the movie that scene didn't make it in you know oh, like you can drive the thing and they have to keep the running time to a certain whatever um but Rachel my sister in the movie was telling uh, the rest of us, John Denver, Terry Gar, and myself, that she wants to grow up to be a lesbian. And we're like, well, how? Well, okay. And she's like, yeah, because we're, we're, I'm in a play now in school and whatever. And, like, and I'm like, I think you mean thesbian. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be lesbian. And it was kind of a funny scene, you know? And, and, uh, and um, uh, I, I loved, I loved the scene so much and we got to improv a lot. So I thought it would make it in. And that particular day, um, Rob Reiner was on the set and he'd get behind the camera and put his eye in there. You know, obviously he became a very successful director and he had his, his uh, dreams of directing and go shadow his father. And to me, Meathead from All in the Family is right there. And he was so yeah. cool. Really <laughs> I, like I said, I, I watched it again this past weekend and I, I did love it again. One thing that I saw at the end that, that didn't occur to me at all of the kid, and I watched it so many times, wow. John Denver's doing all these things for George Burns as God, and then he winds up jobless at the end and God doesn't help him. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, that did bother me at the end of this movie. Is that what happened? He ended up unemployed at the end? Unemployed at the end. <laughs> 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 you know i that's there's a lot of something i don't know about that i i, I guess you're right because uh <laughs> i haven't seen that film in a long long time but um yeah that's no help from god you <laughs> <laughs> needed to pray one more time um yeah i like that movie but boy the last time i i 
got to watch any of it. I was flipping around. It's, some things really hold up and other things are pretty dated. He drove a, a pacer, I believe. I think so. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, yeah, we owned a pacer. Yeah, we had. <laughs> let, me, let me finish. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> great, great car, my favorite. What a classic. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah but anyway um i think that was a good film that it's weird because now you it's amazing what gets out there as far as media at the time it was controversial there were churches you know who were oh i remember yeah i remember that too <laughs> yeah it was interesting blasphemy and all that you know <laughs> george burns is god like oh that's so you know disrespectful and all that stuff but, you know, I also like to remind people that cars don't really fly when Chitty Chitty Bang Bang came out. So, like, George yeah. Burns, God, I think we're all well aware of that. <laughs> my mom told me when I did that movie, so my mom never went to the set. She couldn't walk, unfortunately. And, and so I always had guardians or whatever, but she'd send me off with some words, you know. She's like, I don't want to say this, but you might be doing George Burns' last movie. He lived to be like 30, he lived 30 yeah. years or something like this. <laughs> Watch <it> wrong. <laughs> hey, kid, come here. And he's, he's going to do. So we all had dressing rooms outside of the soundstage. Sometimes we're on location, but on the soundstage, we had these dressing rooms. But he had like a his own little, he had two dressing rooms, one motorhome outside and then inside, just somewhere to be, probably just to keep the cigar smoke uh, in one place. He just sit there, you know, in the corner of the soundstage, you know, just alone smoking his cigars. And I, I had this little bicycle I'd ride around the set. Say, hey, kid, come here. And I'd go, I'd go, yeah, and I'd sit in there, like, you know, <clears throat> breathing this heavy cigar smoke. <clears throat> George Burns, he would just like, um, he would just grill me. He would ask me so many questions about my life and my friends and like personal stuff which was cool. It wasn't like, yeah, okay, okay, good. Get the kid away from me. You know what I mean? I'm George Burns, you know? He was very, he was much more interested in, in what I had to say than I ever would dream that George Burns would. Okay, here's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me as a child actor. Like, <laughs> I, so, and, and by the way, you, you cannot be young and tell this story because it's impossible. I was at an NBC affiliate um, gathering, some sort of, don't even know what you call it. Anyway, it was a fancy, fancy gala. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder at one of the round tables and said, would you come with me? Someone would like to meet you. Groucho Marx was still wow. alive. And he wanted to meet the kid who was on laughing. And he asked me for my autograph. Wow. Wow. Granted, I think it was for like his grandchild. Yeah. But Matt, <laughs> I, I, I got asked for my autograph from Groucho Marx. So that that, is, that's outstanding. That, that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told him no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I don't really do that. But but thank you very much. Yeah. I normally don't charge, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of autographs, who's 
did you ever sign anyone else's autograph because they refused to believe it was you and thought you were someone else? Yes. I signed Lance Kerwin because they would not <laughs> accept that I wasn't James <laughs> at any age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing that. I said, all right, fine, here, Lance Kerwin. And I love Lance. You know, I knew Lance. He was another good actor, too. Like, Oh, like, God, one of the best. I mean, oh, I yeah. admired his work so much. Yeah. And he and I actually, well, he had a small part in Witch Mountain, but he and I worked together on um, uh, an after-school special called The Amazing Cosmic Awareness of Duffy Moon. We were both, like, in every wow. single scene together. And oh, it was so much fun. We had, we had such a great time. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah really wild but no my famous my most famous signing someone else's autograph was i was in new york city and i was working on a um a movie of the week and was on a rough rough nice schedule so i was like having my breakfast at a deli somewhere near my hotel at like you know five o'clock in the in the early evening and in my head getting ready for my day and this guy comes up to me and says hey aren't you that star wars kid and I said, I'm sorry, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. He says, no, 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 you are, you are, you're him. You're that. He didn't even know Mark Hamill's name. He just said, you're that Star Wars kid. And I said, no, no, seriously, sir, I'm not. I, I look, I love Mark Hamill. That Star Wars is one of my favorite movies. But I here are the movies I've been in. You might have seen. And so I'm running down. And you know how you go. You start running down the credits, and then people don't know. Nah, nah, no, no, not that. Yeah. And he he literally walked away got his entire family brought them all over to the table and said come on you guys got to meet the star wars kid we want your autograph and i had to sign mark hamill's autograph for oh, the entire okay. family well i'm but i'm wondering as you tell me this <clears throat> unless it was before this happened but you were in star trek you were star trek too yeah which i mentioned no no that yeah that had only recently been out i think because it was 82 when well, he this thought you were mark hamill. yeah yeah he <laughs> did absolutely 100 100 so i signed mark hamill's autograph and uh i need to tell him about that one day <laughs> yeah. i guess those were that's one of those situations where the lance kerwin thing and your mark hamill is where it's just easier to forge someone's name than just to oh get totally I, yeah it was getting so awkward because they were getting louder and louder and kind of a little bit angry he was getting a little bit angry with me like i just didn't want to admit it so i finally said yeah i'm sorry sir you're 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 absolutely right here i'll I'll sign this for you. So yeah, it was getting testy. It was a he was a heavy duty New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a bracelet, I'm sure. <clears throat> That's funny though. That's crazy. God. So you, you you haven't seen Oh God in a while. Are there, are there any any projects that you do revisit and, and watch, or do you does it that just happens when you run across them? Usually, just run across them. Um, I've got some other things I did that I was um, happy I did. I was proud of, you know, yeah. and things it's like, oh no, please don't air that anywhere. Um, so I did a movie the week where, um, let's see, I was a 16 year old with cancer. I played David Soul. So it's funny already. I was 16. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't a comedy. Um, and I played David Soul's son. <clears throat> and Barnard Hughes was in that. He was my grandfather. I worked with him a few times. There was a show called Doc. And so Barnard Hughes was in Oh God. And so some of those people, Ike probably has the same thing. It was for some reason, worked a lot with them down the road, you know. Uh, Clint Howard was one because he was in everything. Mm -hmm. Ron Howard's father was in so many things. 
Um, but um, yeah, um, it was called Homeward Bound. It's the same title as the animated Michael J. Fox one, but, uh, but it was not that. It was uh, a, a TV movie of the week. And, um, you know, back to scenes with substance that are really about something, you know, things that are hard to face, you know, real issues. Um, and I was more grown up by then as opposed to, you know, being a little, little kid. So uh, I was acting. I felt like, you know, for better or for worse, whether I was acting good, well or not, it did, you know, I don't, probably not so well in, in some of the film, but, um, and I felt like I had a handle on what I was doing. I wasn't a little kid and people weren't force feeding me dialogue. I was studying my lines and going and making choices with the actors, you know, with David Soul and whoever else, we, you know, and, and we were like, yeah, 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 collaborate and let's do this, let's do that. And then time to shoot it, get it, and like, okay, moving on. And like that, I was just, you know, it was movie of the week, but it was filmmaking. Like that was my first, not, not my first, because there was hot wax and Hollywood nights and stuff, but that, this is something where um, kind of like your, your downtown hotel, like, you know, you felt like there was so much, to, I was carrying a lot of, David Soul was the name of mm -hmm. the movie. Like he was the father and had, you know, but he was the draw, but the story was about the, 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 the 16 year old boy, really. Mm -hmm. So I was carrying a lot and um, I really enjoyed that especially since there's so much waiting around in production. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't waiting around as much. You're waiting for them to light and set up, but you're not waiting around for a scene you're not in to be done shooting. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're in pretty much all of them. So mm -hmm. kind of enjoyed that. I do, I do want to ask about John Denver. When you know he was one of those people that you know you felt like you knew. I mean, you just—I I was a huge fan as well. Yeah. So, did you keep in contact after? I mean, did, I, I, it hit me when he passed. So I can just imagine you. I mean, just like you know. No, I didn't keep in contact. I have worked with uh, the only people from there I've worked with or seen or spoken to was um, I. I used to run into Terry Gar before she she got um, you know. A little kind of ill, lovely, lovely, lovely human being, um, and uh, <clears throat> in the voiceover world, I've been uh, wor I worked with uh, Rob Reiner, who was only the son of who didn't work on Ogot, but was there, like I mentioned before. No, I no, it's not like so. So John Denver was a very private person, right? I mean, that was like well known. That was documented. You know, he had you know he was a big star, and they, he had a ranch. There's a story about like the privacy of, you know, the neighbors, like what's with the huge fence and it's kind of a big deal in Colorado or wherever he was, West Virginia, maybe. Um, <laughs> now, didn't, didn't keep in contact with him. You know, um, this somehow reminds me of such an odd human behavioral thing that, that happens. We were shooting and uh, when we were shooting our location, the exterior of the house where our family lived in, oh God, um, you know, it's like you see the production trucks on the streets and all that stuff, right? So we'd go, you know, we'd shoot whatever, and then we'd have to go walk to away, I don't know, craft service, your dressing room, makeup room, whatever. And I was walking with John Denver, and all the neighbors, you know, knew we were there and whatever. And this one guy, every time Denver would walk from his dressing room to the house and the house to the dressing room, 
was holding a cassette tape and would play Rocky Mountain High or whatever and follow him with it <laughs> as he was walking. I, that never left my memory. I always thought that was such an odd, I mean, I get it. And like, it, it seemed to really, John Denver wasn't a very angry man. It didn't seem to disturb him over the top, but he didn't, he didn't love that. Like, give me, give me some, I need a little space. You know what I mean? I know what my music sounds like. He didn't say any of that, but yeah. you know what I mean? That is that's here, fascinating. I mean, look, look, that's you, that's you, that's you kind of, listen, listen. It was really just the honest. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's, that's like, that's like going um, quite a few steps too far. Because I, I have found some of my most interesting interactions with 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 fans, um, you know, that really love Witch Mountain or really love Star Trek too. I always tend to think they might want to ask a question, you know, or get some kind of inside scoop on something. But generally speaking, they what they really love to tell me are their favorite moments in the movie. Yeah, and they'll repeat them back to me, yeah. you know, like the lines or or when you did this, and and I and I think, yeah, I I remember doing that. I yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I don't say that, of course, but it isn't. So that's just sort of an extreme version of that, you know, rather than just saying, I God, I love your music so much, I've got it on my tape deck right here, you know. No, he'll just, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird. It's a very it's very strange. Um, just play and follow along with. Oh, God. <laughs> That's incredible. So on Saturday Night Live years back, um, Chris Farley did a bit where, you know, like he'd interview Paul McCartney, you know, and it was these big people. Remember, <laughs> remember when you, you said yes. yesterday or whatever, or let it be like, uh, sure, sure I do. And he goes, that, that was great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that thing. Yeah, that's, that's it. That is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. And I don't, I'm not judging or faulting. It's just an odd behavioral no yeah it's yeah yeah so, before i know people who will kill me if i don't bring up kids incorporated <laughs> so i just want to do that oh uh, we're in connection i'm sorry i i, I got <laughs> there i, I want to know another one i was like all the people that i've seen bob besides you i mean fergie martika mario lopez jennifer love hewitt how did that come about for you um, I pretend like, oh, my God, it's horrible, but, but it actually, it was a parachute for me. So I moved out of my house when I was 16 years old. And uh, I was living in an apartment in North Hollywood. And I come out to my mailbox one day. <clears throat> and, oh, residual checks. Good times, you know? Yep. And there was a check stub. And there was no check in it. And the, the stamp said, uh, tax lien, wages garnished. So my mother, I never met my dad, but my mother was my favorite person and still is. God bless her. <clears throat> she didn't file my taxes my whole child acting. Oh, dear. Uh, and I'm not trying to trash Kids Incorporated or anything like, oh, I only did that because I needed to dig out of a hole or whatever. But that's kind of, I took the first available. So the only honest job I ever did, meaning not entertainment industry, was when that tax lien happened, I was, I, I, uh, was working under a different name illegally. 
and working at the Burbank airport for Alaska Airlines, being this guy with the cones, the orange cones. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Somehow I got around to ever giving my, they would, my check would be there in an envelope each week, making pennies. Uh, Cause we were the only non-union, uh, they call them rampers. Mm. Uh, and somehow I, I skirted ever having to give a social security number or whatever. They didn't take taxes out. And they, I, somehow I just got to get paid under a different name. Wow. Um, and um, hello, IRS. Are you at the <laughs> Um, and, uh, so met a financial, oh my, so my agent just said, you know, I was in somewhere and I auditioned for kids incorporated, never, you know, the only grown up, like kind of like on a much smaller scale, like Arnold from happy days, you know, so, uh, kids incorporated had this like soda jerk. So it was, and that's an expression used uh, to who I ran the place. And then the, all those kids you mentioned were the performers, you know, so I was really the only adult, if you wanted to call an, a you know, 16 year old adult, but um, I took the first available job that would be a regular job to get me uh, fed. Mm, yeah. And um, so I was never, you know, there was no, my, my Coogan account was reversed. Like I didn't have even, 15 or 20% or whatever it is held for me. And my mom was an invalid. She couldn't walk. And so basically I, I supported the family. No regrets. That's just how it is. That's just the truth. Yeah. Love them all very, very much. That's just what happened. Um, so I didn't think I was going to get kids incorporated because I can't sing to save my life. <laughs> and, uh, so part of the audition was to see if I can sing. <clears throat> oh, oh, wow. And I told him, well, I was in there, you know, I did the dialogue, you know, whatever it was. It's a kid's show, so you got to be, you know, a little forgiving on, you know, there's not a lot of substance there, you know, Disney Channel or whatever. And Michael Cruz, the, the music director, is like, nope. And the audition, you know, I just got to see if you got something, sing me, whatever. And I, I don't know what it was, happy birthday or God, or any like thing that everybody knows. And I did it and I went, see, <laughs> can't see. <laughs> Best of luck, thank you guys. And I walked out and then <laughs> they decided to book me anyway as the kid guy. And then really the kids were the singers and this Martika, you know, Stacy was Fer is Fergie now, you know, little mm -hmm. and those were the stars and those were the singers and I, they didn't need me to be a singer. So I got that. I uh, did five seasons of that, got into the Director's Guild, the final season I ended up directing the show. So, um, you know, uh, big props to um, Kids Incorporated for bailing me out of my tax circumstance. Um, and um, yeah, and then, and, you know, I always wanted to direct. And I got to direct a few things in the in DGA and stuff like that. And uh, so that's how that came about. But in, in truth, you know, there were times where I'm like, you know, everything, all these like colors and craziness and the scripts were so, you know, some were okay, some were pretty shallow. And it's like, what am I doing here? You know, I was going to be an actor, you know, but um, I'm just being honest. But um, then I, I later in life embraced it because it's like, get over yourself. You know, it, it was a gig. Mm -hmm. It was a regular gig. Yeah. It wasn't about you kids. I wasn't a kid. It was about the other kids is in the title. You know, it's not about you. Just, you know, 
Joe had a lot of fans. I'm just <laughs> it's amazing. Kids are cool. that, that little tiny show like got I, when Glee was on, they would make a lot of references to Kids Incorporated. I didn't know if you knew that, but they did. And people would tell them, you know, Kids Incorporated was brought up on, on Glee as part of their dialogue. Like, oh, you look like you're dancing for Kids Incorporated or whatever it was. They would, you know, pretty much make fun of the show. But that's what Glee was, was a higher budgeted, older Kids Incorporated. Yeah, there you go. Wow. So that 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 facilitated your 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 move into directing is something you said you wanted to do for quite a while because i think that's fantastic yeah well after four seasons um i my agent and i declined to come back uh kindly you know there was never any animosity i i enjoyed everybody there so um the day my agent told him that i wasn't going to come back for a fifth season but we thank you for everything, you know, and all that good stuff. I went with a friend of mine to shoot pool when I when I drank. I, I don't anymore, but I went go have a beer and shoot pool at a place called Q's in Westwood. And um, I was in there, and I saw Kevin Berg. Kevin A. Berg is this guy who. One of the hardest working people I've ever met. On the first season of Kids Incorporated, he was a PA. By the time I left, he was one of the associate producers. He went on to ex executive produce in Living Color after that. He's he now and has been for many years the vice president of parent of uh, NBC, no, of CBS Television. Um, I don't know his full. I can't remember his full title now. I have his card in my wallet because we see each other. He's a neighbor, uh, but he went from from bringing coffee as a PA to um, like he's calling the shots pretty much. Wow. Yes, you know. Um, so anyway, ran into him. He's like, hey, Moosey, I hear you're not coming back, you know. I'm like, Kevin, it breaks my heart. Absolutely, yeah, whatever. He's like, well, well, we were talking today about it. Like, what, you know, we really don't have any money, like extra money. Like, what would it take, you know? And I don't know if it was the half a beer or whatever in me, but I just said, you know what? if I got to direct an episode and get into the director's guild, I'd come back thinking, not a chance, you know? Yeah. And uh, Kevin's such a sweet guy. And he's like, uh, you know what? Let me talk to Tommy and Gary, you know? And then my agent called a few days later and said that Tom Lynch, the producer who I'm still friends with and in contact with, he, um, he was like, well, we don't just let anybody direct the show, come on, whatever. Apparently they were frustrated because they were trying to find a replacement and they, they weren't finding anyone they really loved. <clears throat> Not saying they loved me, but they didn't, they didn't want to replace me, which is a nice compliment and everything. And then, uh, then uh, Tommy called my agent a few days later and said, all right, have Moosey come in, we'd like to talk to him. And then went from there, I'm like, and they're like, okay. The first thing he said, you know, I already know these guys very well, four straight years or seasons of doing this show. He didn't even say anything. I sat down and he said, you're going to be the first one on the set. You're going to be the last one to turn the lights off. You're going to shadow every director we have and so on and so on. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause you know, getting into DGA as a director, as opposed to stage manager, first 80, second 80 is like a, it's a fee. It's difficult. Oh yeah. And um, it cost me my whole season salary to join the union, by the way. I'll bet. Really, yeah. I'm not even um, yeah. 
And so that was the case. And uh, Gary Gary Halverson was one of the directors. He went on to be uh, the main director on Friends where they all in their contract negotiated. We want him to do as many as we can get him to do. You know, Michael Dimmich and a lot of names, a lot of big directors did multi-camera shows, did Kids Incorporated. So um, Mm -hmm. I, I was lucky to get that. Yeah. So that's, well, that's how the show came about. And that's how it came to an end for me also, because the following, they saw the writing on the wall because I obviously didn't want to come back for a fifth season. It wasn't anything personal. It was just like, well, maybe I can try acting again, you know, because there wasn't really much acting to do for me, mm-hmm. no one's fault. Uh, and so they saw the writing on the wall when the sixth season came along, we met. And uh, they, they was kind of like, you want to do more directing, don't you? And I said, and they're like, okay, well, I think, I think we've had our run because I, we can't just keep, you know, they've had their directors they, they want to use and they didn't want to just keep, oh, and what was happening was there was a choreographer who was on the show uh, and a couple other people involved in the show who were pressing them hard. Well, Moosey got to direct, but they wanted to direct. Mm, wow, yeah. And so, uh, and that's the beginning, middle, and end of Kids Incorporated. <laughs> well, since, since no, no one's going to watch this anyway. So, which kids were the problem kids? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> None of them were. Mario Lopez uh, uh, was kind of like a big brother figure. So, Mario lived in his family, Big Mario and Sylvia lived in um, Chula Vista down by San Diego. Mm-hmm. We would shoot up either at Sunset Gower or KTLA. You know, each season we'd move around. So uh, Mario would have to be come up from San Diego every morning before work. He was one of the dancers on the show. He wasn't one of the main stars, but he was a regular. And so we, so Mario would just come home with me many nights or even for the weekends. I lived with three other roommates, three guys. It was like a, a college dorm without being a college dorm you know it was just ping pong table in the dining room and you know all kinds of craziness and he wanted to always come hang out with me so mario I, and then you know i would be as responsible as i could be and bring mario home and then take him to work with me so he didn't have to spend you know all that couple hours uh and or more in traffic every morning coming up from san diego and then his parents one of his parents could roll in when it's comfortable and after traffic and i'd be his guardian until they got there and all that but um no one was a troubled person at all on that show really not. i mean they were they're kids and sometimes you know <clears throat> like let's let's keep the sugar away from these kids now, you know that kind of thing but that was all very normal um uh martika was fantastic it's marta she was the first one to blow up right to, to blow up really yeah yeah she um she got a sound a record deal had a couple of big hits mm-hmm. And I, I run into us. I can't call her Fergie. I have to call her Stacy. But I run mm-hmm. into her a couple of times throughout the year. She's really the one who's become. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I don't know. A lot of them really became very successful from that show. Oh no, I, I did have friends who wanted me to specifically ask you this. So, so I hope everyone's pleased now <laughs> so, <laughs> about this show. <laughs> but no. Oh, it's 
<laughs> no, but again, th thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for, for doing this. Real pleasure. I loved, I loved so many of your movies. <laughs> and it was such a joy, joy to be able to watch them again this weekend. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. I feel like I'm so long-winded that you're probably going to edit this damn way down. No, I... <laughs> Oh no, not not at all, not not, not a not for a second, man. This was this was awesome and so I great mean, to hear oh. about stuff that you know I remember, but you know through yeah. your you know through your eyes. Well, you and I are like I feel like we're kind of in that uh, we're we're very we grew up similarly in uh, yeah in our in our you know and um, I just hope I wasn't as long winded as say like a Matthew Laberto. <laughs> or this. Oh God, it's so gone forever. Richard, no, no, not at all. <laughs> Richard is one of my favorite people. One of the most talented. Please don't show him this. Oh no, I won't. One of the most talented people I, I know. And that's oh. it. You know, we all grew up in LA here. I mean, there's a lot of talented people here. Richard's Richard was a fun, fun interview as well. <laughs> I watched all your your last. I watched as many that I could find of the laughing ones uh, this past weekend as well. So oh, yeah. that was you were so natural. I mean, really, I was like you know amazed at your age just doing the lines. I appreciate that. I appreciate. It. I'm still waiting to see if laughing gets picked up for another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what are you, what are you uh, what are you doing now? Oh well, I'm doing. Um, oh gosh, Ike. So I've been I've been doing voiceover work for a long time as well, <clears throat> mm -hmm. as well as directing here and there. Um, and I got into uh, what they call looping or ADR work, um, which is one of the best jobs in in Hollywood. Uh, many years ago, because of you <laughs> and your partner, uh, one of your partners, Newell Alexander, and um, you both embraced me, welcomed me into um, your group. I worked a lot for the LA Mad Dogs, which is your company. Mm -hmm. I owe so much to you. Oh. So I had already purchased my house that I'm still in 25 years later. Um, but I always say like, you know, um, <clears throat> buying a house is less than half the battle. Keeping a house is- Oh my gosh, yes. You know, right? And uh, this, my, my, I'm, uh, I live in the hills in a quiet little, it's very humble little home, but I'm, I'm very happy. And I owe it to the voiceover industry, really, because mm. it's really helped me. It's been a base and kept me afloat for all these years. And I thank you. If I haven't thanked you before a million times, I thank you because you, you welcomed me. And <clears throat> it's one of the hardest gigs in the industry to get into, by the way. And I know you you stepped away from it from time, but like everybody wants to be doing this, so I'm very cognizant of how lucky I am to be doing it. Um, well, you but, are you are beyond more than welcome because I I, I tell you it was it it was my privilege because um, yeah I got into it by it it was tough for me to get into it um, when I first started. And I talk about it on this show frequently because it's it's hard for people who aren't, even for people who are in the business to understand what ADR is and what looping is and 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 what an amazing opportunity. Well, people who know about it know what an amazing opportunity it is. Yeah. Which is technically explaining it to people technically is always just a little bit of a challenge, but but you are you are beyond an asset to us. And and that's the thing I miss when I 
you know, it was my time to move away from the business completely. And I knew it and I was happy to and glad to, and I've not looked back um, mm -hmm. with any regrets. What I miss more than anything, because you were talking about the talent of working with like Richard Horvitz and, you know, and Matthew and, and these people and you, and I, that's what I miss. I miss being around this dense pool of incredibly talented and gifted people. That was the joy for me on a daily basis to be able to, to be around that and be a part of it and contribute to it. And, and that is what, what I miss the most. If I, if I miss anything. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. It's a bunch of really, really um, <clears throat> good people and talented and, um, you know, never a boring moment because there's all these, all these great personalities, you know, and um, <clears throat> never a boring moment. Um, and it's, but uh, I know, you know, pretty much all there is uh, to know about ADR and looping, <clears throat> but a lot of people don't realize it has evolved. Like it's not just, you know, voices off and, you know, we're uh, voice matching and replacing, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of like, actual well-known actors or actresses. And, um, you know, it's like, um, you know, a protagonist is in the car on a phone calling to book an airline flight. Well, someone on the phone's got to be the voice of, you know, the airline attendant. Mm -hmm. People don't realize, oh, yeah, well, I guess they got to record that, don't they? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's, we miss you. Although, you know, uh, the Mad Dogs aren't as, it, it is, they're not what, you know, they're, the guy, the other guys are, you know, uh, rightfully so, just kind of doing their own thing, you know, retired. Sure, yeah. Mostly, I think. Um, but um, those were the days. Those were the days. They they were. They were for sure. Well, again, though, thank you. Thank you so much. It really, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, I, I'm, this is great. Absolutely great. Uh, but again, this is this has been uh, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman on Pop Culture Retro. And we thank very special thanks to Boosie Dreyer. And as always, please subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast. <laughs>